This is Hit That Line, Week 10 edition. Also, colon, bye week for the Ole Miss Rebels, who are now 8-1 on the season. College football playoff rankings came out this week, number 11. Ole Miss is uh, on the outside looking in of the top 10, but as uh, I was talking to someone earlier this evening, it doesn't really matter what the college football playoff rankings are right now because they are drastically going to change after this weekend. Before I bring in Austin and Nick to uh, get into week 10 and talk a little Ole Miss A&M recap briefly before we get into our picks, I do want to remind you of the folks that make the show possible. When you're looking for good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis McCord and State Farm. They are your one-stop shop in Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around. Give Davis a call, 901-755-6110. show also brought to you by Clinical Urology Associates. The one thing you do not want to gamble with is whether or not it is time for a vasectomy. If you're wanting to learn more about that or are in search of treatments for men's health, look no further than Dr. Michael Jennings at Clinical Urology Associates. Dr. Jennings, an Ole Miss graduate, is here to make that difficult time of a vasectomy easier on you. Now offering special in-office sedation for vasectomy patients. They're also offering minimally invasive surgery, including the use of advanced laparoscopic procedures. He, along with his team of medical professionals, look forward to providing excellent health care to the people of the great state of Alabama and beyond as they accept all forms of insurance. So go all in and lay the points with them at one of their five locations in North Alabama and keep your health in the black. Give Dr. Jennings a call today, 256-492-4040, extension 4. Last but certainly not least, show brought to you by Hester's Chop House. If you're ever uh, craving some top-shelf protein, but you don't want to fight the hustle and bustle of the square in Oxford, look no further than Hester's Chop House, Oxford's newest premier steakhouse option that comes straight to your doorstep. Started by Ole Miss Rebel and fire extinguisher enthusiast Jonathan Hess, Hester's offers free delivery of a 16-ounce New York strip with your choice of two sides, ranging from diced potatoes to bismani rice to Brussels sprouts and more. This elite dinner created by a player for players starts at $25. And yes, you heard it right. Free delivery. Follow them at Chop House 80 on Twitter and Hester's Chop House on Instagram and place your orders ASAP. All right. Last week, another tough one for Austin, which we do have some uh, some caveats there. We, you know, a little bit of an asterisk next to a couple of those. Ben went two and one. I went one and two because Sam Hartman forgot how to play football. And then, uh, man, the golden boy, uh, Mr. Checkerboard himself, Nick, went three and oh and is now right in the mix to take the lead. Gentlemen, how are we doing this evening? Good, good. A lot better. We're doing a lot better if every quarterback that I bet on would stop getting hurt or knocked out of football games. But other than that, can't complain. You know what to do in two weeks then, right? I do. I do. <laughs> look, let, before we I, – look, I, I can't I, – let's let's pause for a moment to talk about Hartman's meltdown for Wake. Zach, that, I loved that pick. I thought it was dead on. Wake has eight <laughs> turnovers. Hartman responsible for six turnovers. It was one of the worst individual performances by a quarterback I think I've ever, ever seen. I mean, just an absolute apocalypse. I mean – I thought that was 
one of the easiest bets I've made all year. And also, like, on top of that, I felt really good about Cincinnati plus one. I truly thought, oh, this is just easy money. It's it's damn near a pick em. Luke Fickle's going to have something cooked up for John Rice Plumley. Like, not a chance that this game is going to screw me. And I tip your cap to Gus and, and UCF. Now, I know Plumley did get hurt. Um, did he ever come back in the game? I saw the clip of him. No, be, no. Being I was going to say, I don't know if that helped or hurt UCF, but Plumley was knocked <laughs> out of the game and did not come back in. So that was um, a very scary that, one. Yeah, not to sound that sounds really harsh. I mean, like Cincinnati had game planned for Plumley, and that's mm-hmm. a different look than Plumley's backup. So, uh, yeah, I hope he's fine. It, but it was a yeah, it was, like you said, it was a pretty nasty shot he took. Good on Gus for for getting it done. I mean, I again, I, I thought that Fickle and that that defense would would be too much, but hey, tough to get a win in the bounce house. But Nick, you. you you licked it, man. Three and zero. I think probably the most teeth gnashing of your picks was was Ole Miss, but um, Tennessee handled business. I mean, just absolutely whipped Kentucky, um, and then Iowa covering ten and a half. I mean, my lord. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that Iowa was going to put up what thirty three points on Saturday. If I'd known that, I, I'd have been my lock of the century in real life. But the, the offensive clinic. I mean, hey, they're coming along. I, at this point, I think you got to extend, you know, Brian Ferentz. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Tennessee was was last week was just. I mean, Ben and I kind of went back and forth, both on the show and in real life. I, that that was a man. That was a beat down. Tennessee's so much better than Kentucky. I don't know if they'll win this week, but that's just a totally different class of of opponent. And Kentucky, I mean, I said last week, they don't do anything like great, and they didn't do anything great last weekend. I, I mean, I'm I'm hopeful that Ole Miss keeps playing really well, but looking back on it, that Kentucky man was, you know, nothing really to shake a stick at. Yeah, I mean, I was actually thinking about that earlier today, and I think that, you know, every week is different. I mean, I, and, and you know that. Sure. I mean, they were playing at a high level at that point. Will Levis wasn't banged up at, at, at that point. Um so yeah, like not every week, you know, not, not everything is in a vacuum. No, like, you're you're right, but but they're withering away. Was, yeah, and that that offensive line was always going to bang him up. Like that that was, they're so bad that there's no way he could stay healthy all year long. Like he could have been, yeah, Bryce Young. It doesn't matter. I also think that Ole Miss game almost kind of in two ways hurt them because I think the Ole Miss loss beat them two or three times. Um. And then on the flip side, I think once everyone figured out who the hell Barry and Brown was, I mean, mm-hmm. he's been bracketed since that game. I mean, he he can't get open. Um, I mean, he's he's getting his here and there, but he's not having near the impact that he did in that Ole Miss game. Um, and they just don't have anyone else, really. I mean, um, the other receiver they have is, is good. Is it Robinson? I can't even remember his name. Yeah, I think it's Robinson. But, yeah, I mean, they were kind of, in a way, exposed with, like, oh, man, they got this impact freshman. Like, we need to circle his name and, you know, watch him on film now. But 
but yeah, they've, I don't know. It, it's kind of one of those where like they're spiraling because the season's, you know, quote unquote over for them. Cause they had yeah aspirations of competing for the East and like taking that next step. And it's not happening this year. Um, also, also think like too, I mean, I mean, Tennessee's not, I mean, their defense is, is a lot better. I think than it, it, it probably gets credit for I me mean, coming into the season. They're an offensive team. And they're going to have to outscore teams, and, and the defense is not elite. And there's been comparisons on Twitter about oh, this team and the 2019 LSU team, and there is not half of the NFL talent on this Tennessee team that there is, there was on that LSU team. I mean, just look at no, you know, who's dominate. I mean, look at like the best players on offense in the NFL right now. Obviously, Burrow is a good quarterback. I don't think he's like an exceptional quarterback, even though last year. But like Justin Jefferson. You know, Che, Jamar Chase. I mean, like these guys are elite NFL players. Tennessee doesn't have a lot of that, but their defense no. is a lot better than we thought it was six weeks. Ago. Yeah, I think it's showing I mean, Kentucky. I know we 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 kind of we kind of boo hiss at total defense. It's not the best stat, but I mean, just looking at the the basic numbers. I mean, Ole Miss has a better defense than Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's barely top one hundred. And then you look at the SP plus, they're thirty fourth in defense, um, and Ole Miss is thirtieth, and that's opponent adjusted, more analytics thrown in. But I think they're, that, that that's they're like certainly good little, enough for them to be where they are. Yes, right? yeah, I think that that almost like that the LSU team in twenty nineteen because that was not a great LSU defense to start off the year. They were kind of in that same spot. Now they got better than that than the Tennessee defense is now. They ended up like seventeenth or something. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you have a top two or three offense, which I think Tennessee does, 34th may be enough on defense. I mean, it scares me. Oh, yeah. And I'm probably going to have to take the balls this week just to be safe. But, I mean, that defense is – I mean, the offense is so good. But, I mean, we can get into that here in a second. But <laughs> Another thing on that point, because I've seen multiple comparisons to Tennessee this week to that 19 LSU team, I think one thing they were losing sight of with that comparison – LSU had players and scheme. They had elite players, as you mentioned. That Tennessee is largely scheme driven. I mean, the the, the yeah. Baylor offense has proven to work time and time and time again. Yes, you need good players to execute. Obviously, if they had bad players, they wouldn't be nearly as effective. They they would be Kent State, who runs the same system, and it's not nearly as good. I understand that, but uh, I mean, who was LSU's offensive coordinator that year in nineteen? Well, oh, I was yeah. in, in yeah. Canada, right? Exactly. Where are they yeah. now? Right. So yeah. that that wasn't that wasn't system driven, is my point. Like LSU right. was good that year because those dudes were elite NFL players, not yeah. just like NFL players, but like some of the best of the best. You, you forgot to mention Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who you know was awesome on that on that team. Yeah, they had really really good offensive linemen as well. Um, Tennessee doesn't have those dudes. Hooker's no. very very good. He's a veteran quarterback, senior, been in the system for two years now. But this system with just, you know, competent players puts up points against everybody. So I, I'm not going to say it's all smoke and mirrors, all system driven, but that is I, – I think you can – I think you can attribute a lot of their success to this Baylor sort of cheat code approach that they take. Also, I, I wonder if, if Georgia this week is aware – of the existence of Jalen Hyatt, and they plan yeah. on covering it. I, I just like <laughs> God. Every team just decides, like, oh, this guy who had five touchdowns last week, should we cover him? 
I, yeah, I, but I Nick, what, what do you do when the guy's two yards off the line of scrimmage in a stack? It just yeah. How do you defend that? Boy, guard the other guy. I don't, I don't understand. It's, yeah. it's amazing to me. Like Mar- Stoops watched Bama get toasted by it, and apparently had no answer. Now maybe he just didn't have the horses to cover. But I, I mean, surely this week Georgia will be prepared for that wide receiver stack look that puts the safety in conflict. If they're not, I don't know. Like, what what will it take for someone to say maybe we should try to figure out how to stop this? The Buffalo Bills is what it's going to take. Apparently, that's what it's going to take. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the I do think that, and I don't think this is too crazy to say. The comparisons to Joe Burrow and that LSU team are ridiculous. Um, oh, I think not. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hooker's not an NFL guy. Like no, that. I mean, well, I mean, like, just look at the numbers. I mean, he's at twenty, almost twenty four hundred yards passing. Joe Burrow threw for over five thousand and <laughs> threw sixty touchdowns. Yeah, and like Hooker is good. Like he's very good. He is the perfect trigger man. Oh, he, may for that the, he may win the husband. He may win yeah. the husband this year. Yeah, but like Joe Burrow had the the once in a millennium season that probably won't ever be touched. Yeah, and he did it in the SEC. Like this wasn't like. Also- BJ Simmons, like, you know, doing it in the yeah. Big 12, like, that was against the best of the best, and they won it all. Also, Burrow is 14 months older than Hendon Hooker, and he's yeah. doing it four years later. Yeah. yeah. That's a, I said that to somebody today where, you know, people are hyping up Tennessee for this weekend. I, I, I feel like me and Nick are going to disagree, and that's fine. But I was telling somebody, I was like, if Tennessee doesn't win it this year, they might never win it again because they've got a 24, almost 25 year old quarterback who is just, you know, cookie cutter for what Hypo likes to do. He runs it extremely well. I mean, he's 21 touchdowns, one interception. I mean, he, I don't have no idea who they have behind him. I know they have like Taven Jackson, um, who's a true freshman. Um, who's gonna, who, who's gonna, you know, be that Hendon hooker moving forward. I mean, Sure, it might take a year or two, but like this is it. Like this is their shot. Like this is the perfect year. It's fallen. Everything's fallen into place perfectly for them to do this. Yeah, and shout out Justin Fuente for playing Braxton Burmeister over <laughs> Endon Hooker at Virginia Tech. Hmm. Unreal. Um. All right, so it is late in the week. We won't get too much in it because it's been been broken down and recapped enough, but. Let's uh let's go around the horn. You guys give me a couple observations from the AM win. Um things you like, things you didn't like, you know, heading into the bye week, you know, what are what are some things that, that you uh may have may have jotted down or may have, you know, put a pin in for the show. I think one thing that struck me was really just how personal this was for Lane Kiffin. I, you know, going into the game, I knew he wanted the game. He wants, he always wants to win. And I, I know we wanted to win going into the bye week, but I think he really, really wanted this one. I think Jimbo calling him a clown in the offseason stuck with him more than I think I appreciated at the time. And uh, I give was out for blood. I mean, you know, faking the punt from his own, where we're at, our own 20 or whatever, 30. I think it was uh, a 16. Okay, there you go. I, you know, pulled out all the stops. Um, 
is a little rocky at times in the first half. Our defense mm-hmm. was in major bend, but don't break, and at times broke. But in the second half, I thought they played pretty well down the stretch. And I, look, I'll say this: I, I know it was a backup quarterback for AM, but I think he's probably the best quarterback on the roster. I mean, he he yes. the, that kid looked good. Oh, like, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be just fine. So he's he's going to influence my pick this week for sure. Yeah, and ten games in or nine games in, whatever, to your freshman season, it's not exactly like you're still wet behind the ears. I mean, he's a five-star kid, more than halfway done with his freshman year. You know, is this big boy football? I, I don't. I, we're not going to give the win back just because the backup quarterback played. So, um, I thought Davis did well. Look, and then uh, Quinchon Jenkins continues to be just a, an absolute monster. <laughs> And does he start? Let I don't want to derail the entire conversation here. He's, he's does, unreal. Is he going to start getting any any Heisman pub, or are the numbers just not there? I haven't seen. I saw the recent odds on three posted, and Jackson darts in there, but not Judkins, which is crazy. Which just shows it's a quarter, it just shows it's a quarterback award. Yeah, it is. But we need to beat Alabama. I think if we beat Alabama and he's the guy, I, I was going to say it starts coming in. If he, it would help too if we he would lead the SEC. I know it's only five yards, but if he could technically yeah. lead the SEC in rushing, that would help too. Which yeah. I, Heisman voters won't put it into account because Ole Miss isn't undefeated and whatever. But I mean, people have to realize like he's sharing carries with Zach Evans, and it's not like yeah. okay, we're bringing in this other guy because he's tired. Like no, he's splitting carries with a five star transfer. So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Kiffin and and Markwell Blackwell have done a awesome job this year of letting those guys kind of get theirs when like the flow of the game is, is maybe leaning a little bit more Zach Evans. Like they did a great job in the AM game where like Zach Evans had a couple drives where he was carving them up, but then he got a little gas and he had the, the knee still not hundred percent. And then, you know, they just let Judkins, you know, have his booby miles moment, you know, give me the ball. Yeah. Let me spin. Like, that was that was remarkable to see in person. I mean, the kid is special. Like it's, it was. I mean, he was making upperclassmen, blue chip guys that A and M has on a defense that look they suck, but like it's a solid defense. I mean, Dirk Durkin's the coach, so you know they're solid. I mean, he was making dudes look absolutely foolish out there. It was, it was awesome. And again, we talked about this going into the game. These guys aren't bums. I know A and M's record is not good. I'm not saying they're a great team top to bottom, but that defense has blue chip guys all over the roster. A lot of those guys are going to be playing on Sundays in a couple of years. So, uh, you know, against a defense like that, to have the performance he did on the road, um, as you mentioned, it was great to have Evans back because they really complement each other well. They're a great one-two punch. It's not exactly like a thunder-lightning situation. They're they're very similar backs. They, they each have their strengths, but – there's no drop off, you know, like when you go from one to the other, they can each catch the ball out of the backfield. They can defend and pass pro. They have great balance and vision. Um, I think Evans is a little faster. Jenkins is a little stronger, but it's an awesome combination. We're going to need Evans down the stretch. So good to see him back. And, uh, you know, good to, again, good to get a win going into the bye. Good vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, we, we're where, most of us, many of us, thought we would be at this point in the season. It was a disappointing loss against LSU, mm-hmm. but we rebounded. 
and we still have all of our goals in front of us. Yeah, I think the main thing, the main takeaway for me was the defensive adjustments in the second half. Um, I mean, they were getting ripped to shreds by Devin A. Chain, which he's a stud. He'll play on Sundays. Um, so I kind of expected him to have himself a day because the run defense has been very touch and go for Ole Miss. Um, they're banked up. They don't have everybody, you know, at full strength, but um, they, to their credit, they made some adjustments. They started bringing pressure. Wegman, I, I would love for somebody to chart that game and tell me what happened on plays that they brought pressure because yeah. anything in his face, he was just panicked and could not do it. I mean, his you could see it in the third and the fourth quarter, like his throws were off and he was hitting dudes in the ankles. He was missing high. Um, so, I mean, come on, like put a pin in that one. Partridge, like dial up some pressure. Like, I mean, just be yeah. that chaos defense that, that Ole Miss has had, you know, 14, 15, you know, just, you know, Professor Chaos it up. Yeah, Look, it may, it may have been – go ahead, Nick. Well, I was going to say, I don't, I don't think I'm like I'm, – I'm telling you guys anything I won't know. Like, hey, getting to the quarterback makes him worse. But, like, quarterbacks in, in college football are good enough every single one that we will face all year long. Yeah, I don't care if we're playing Vanderbilt or Northern Illinois. If you let a guy just, like, sit back there in the pocket, he'll complete passes all day long. They're, they're, they're college quarterbacks. You know what I mean? This is not high school where you can just let the guy make mistakes. If you give him all day long with rushing three, they'll complete passes. And the fact that we changed that up in the second half was just, I, I like, it was so obvious that that's what we should do, but I'm, I'm so thankful we did because it is, I mean, like pull your hair out frustrating to watch you bang your head against the wall and hope it doesn't hurt. Like it, you know, you rush three, the guy's just going to sit back there all day long and, I don't know if and, you know if that's possible against Bama. It's probably not. Whatever, but I was so thankful to see us do something different to see us succeed. All right. Yeah, I agree. It was also good to see just a couple new faces on defense. You know, guys get some action that we thought were going to contribute early in the season mm -hmm. that haven't really contributed that much. I don't know if that was born of necessity with injuries or if we're mm -hmm. finally trying to work some guys in the rotation. I, I, I don't know which it was, but I think it was good uh, to close out the season. You got to think we're going to have to lean on some guys, some depth, some pieces that haven't really contributed much yet. So working those dudes in, in that atmosphere on the road, again, I guess a, a competent team. Another record is what it is, but a chains at NFL back. They got NFL linemen. Um, just good to see some young guys get, get some action and, and not just young guys, but Gordon and Iton. I mean, those dudes got reps. Um, I think I saw Brandon Mack in there, you know, a few a mm -hmm. few series. So all good Ashan building like depth. Ashanti Sistrunk made some yeah, plays. Yeah, he played. Yeah, yeah Sistrunk. Exactly. So it was – yeah, I was going to say, like, th th those are the type of wins you have to have to keep pace and try to win a division. Like, you got to – you know, our, our buddies over at Solid Verbal, they always talk about win your clunkers and, you know – I guess that can, you know, apply to games like Vandy, where like you're clearly the better team, mm -hmm. and you got to win a weird road game. Um, but like clunkers can also be like Auburn or A and M, where it's like a team that is on the brink of just giving up, completely spiraling, and they didn't. 
both of those games we talked about on this show where it's like, man, you know, Brian Harsin is getting fired. Auburn could just not even give a shit. They could just not care. Mm-hmm. And same with A&M. And we talked about it last week where, I mean, I said it. I was like, they're going to lay down. Ole Miss will, you know, run them over. And they didn't, to their credit. Like, they fought until the very end. Um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of one of those games that we've been talking about all year where it's like, man, Ole Miss is just – they're just a good team, and they just beat people. Like, they, they kind of – you know, I think Austin said it last week where it's like, we're just going to line up. We're going to run you, run it right down your throat, and there's nothing you can do about it, and we're just going to handle business. Like, that's just kind of who they are this year. Yeah, and look, one, one more piece on the uh, the defense and Partridge making adjustments. We should point out, Jimbo came out and threw kind of a curveball in the first half. They went tempo, and mm-hmm. Jimbo never does that. Like, that, he, he's never put that on tape. I mean, going back to Florida State, he's never done that. So – I, I thought it was encouraging to note that, you know, we weren't completely caught off guard by that. We were able to adjust relatively quickly. Again, of the two halves, the first was definitely not as good as the second half from a defensive standpoint. But just the fact that we weren't completely overwhelmed by a tempo look with a five-star quarterback that we had never really seen before, I thought was also encouraging. Um, be interested to see if Jimbo continues to do that down the stretch as he receives more and more criticism about his – you know, 1978 approach to football. Does AM start to go tempo more? No huddle. Does he start to lean on some of the weapons outside? Be interesting. Yeah. All right. Shall we get into week 10? Let's uh let's do it. I say since it's a bye week, we'll we'll do a whip around the SEC and then we'll get in our locks because there's some big ones. Um and we won't we won't touch on every game unless you're uh, locking it in, but obviously the two big ones, let's go ahead and get into it. Number one versus number three, CBS, 2.30 p.m. Central Time. Tennessee at Georgia in Athens. I know there were some big boosters, uh, some big VFLers, guys that are really wanting it to feel like 98, bought up a ton of tickets, trying to make it feel like a Tennessee home game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it to y'all first here. Um, cause I'm still trying to formulate my thoughts on this one. I feel like I have a good, like I have a good feel for this one. Um, but I want to hear what y'all have to say first. Georgia's, uh, giving eight, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And if you guys don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and lock in something on this. It is not, it. however, the, the, the line you think it might be. I really consider taking Tennessee and I actually see eight and a half if you want the Tennessee side. Okay. But I'm going to go kind of a system play. I feel like this has been Austin's thing. I'm kind of stealing it from him, which, you know, based on the last couple of weeks, maybe not the best idea. Yeah, exactly. Trade carefully. But it is – what happens in really big games? Both offenses are going to play a little bit differently. I think the defenses are going to play better. The offenses are going to be a little tentative. This line opened at 59 and a half. It's been bet up to 66 and a half. You can get 66 and a half on I'm seeing bet MGM. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take under 66 and a half. I think it's a lot of points. Now, obviously, I think that the Georgia offense is kind of like the key to all this because Tennessee could could definitely go fast if they want to. But I think the Georgia offense is gonna slow it down. They do throw the ball a lot more than you would realize, but they throw it to those big tight ends who catch everything and are so athletic. I mean, we, we talked about it last week. 
uh, privately, uh, the, the four of us, how many of their tight ends could play today in the NFL? We said at least three. And yeah. most of them would start for, you know, like probably 20-plus teams in the NFL today. I mean, they're that good. They're that talented, big and physical. But I think that that kind of, like, lends itself to being a quicker game. I don't really think that these – both offenses are going to go back and forth. I think there will be some mistakes. And I do think that Georgia will cover Jalen Hyatt first time all year. I think someone will do that. Tennessee might be – thrown off a little bit by the fact that someone decided to do that six six and a half means this game's going to need to be played in what the mid 30s um or, or at least low 30s i guess to get there and I, i'm kind of seeing maybe like a you know 31 28 type game i really think it's going to go comfortably under um and i actually if i'm if i'm betting on this i'm, I'm still picking tennessee uh to cover the eight points i think it's going to be a, a close game uh, my my taking the under kind of says that because I think it's going to be a lower scoring end of things. And Tennessee averages 49.5 points a game. Obviously, if they score 49.5 points, they're winning. Uh, but this Georgia's not going to want to do what Alabama did offensively and, and go quick and score, score a ton of points if they don't have to. I like it. I like it. It just feels like these high-stakes games – it takes a half for teams to settle in. It's going to be like a boxing match, like two prize fighters here. They're going to fill each other out for a quarter, quarter and a and, half. And Tennessee's, Tennessee's game against Bama was big, but yeah. not this big. Well, here's the thing I, I would say about that. Except for LSU, and granted, that's a pretty big exception because they put up 40 on the Tigers in Death Valley. But that was an 11 a.m. kick, right? This is going to be the most hostile environment that Tennessee has played in this year by far. It's not even going to be close. And – in the friendly confines of Neyland, they're able to do a lot with their with their offense, whether it's check to the sidelines, do some motion, some adjustments, tempo. I question whether they're going to be a well-oiled machine on the road here. I think it's going to be extremely loud, extremely hostile, and they have not seen a defense, not even Alabama's, I don't think, that's as talented as Georgia's now. Georgia's got a lot of youth on that defense, and I think that's been a problem for them. They just lost – maybe their best defensive player in with Nolan Smith, right, mm -hmm. um, for Georgia. So, obviously, not ideal for an under or if you're a Georgia backer. But I just think Georgia's got, you know, 20 dudes on that side of the ball. They're NFL players. And I, I don't know that Alabama is that talented on defense this year. they got a couple no. dudes that are really, really high-end elite. But Alabama's kind of soft in the middle. <laughs> their their well, backers aren't great. Says hello. Yeah, exactly. Anderson is an elite guy. And the other guy on the other side, I'm drawing a blank on his name, also an elite pass rusher. But Bama's uh, backers, Dallas is this Turner. the worst? Yeah, this may be the worst set of Alabama linebackers we've seen in like 10 years. And oh, yeah. they they don't have a standout like safety that they've had going for you know 20 years. They've had a dude back there that could cover and knock your head off. They don't have that this year. So I think Georgia, even though down a notch or maybe a couple notches from last year, is still the best defense that Tennessee is going to have seen. And we touched on it at the open of the show, Nick. You're right. Tennessee's defense is not getting a ton of credit, and they're kind of sneaky good, especially against the run. I think Kirby is still more conservative than Nick Saban. Nick has kind of evolved in his offensive yeah. approach. He turned the keys over to the Ferrari, to coordinators like Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian. Now, Bill O'Brien is not those dudes, but he certainly opens it up more than Saban would have preferred 20 years ago. I think Kirby is still sort of stuck in that old Saban mindset where I, – look, I would surprise me at all if, if Georgia punts their first three possessions because Kirby is just insistent on running the ball. 
And I don't think they're going to have a lot of success against Tennessee doing that. So uh, this is a long way of saying I'm with you on the under. It just feels like a stone cold under. This feels like a, an, an old school intense SEC dogfight where the final is like 31-27 Georgia. Yeah, I I agree with with everything y'all have said. Um, now we're we're I feel like we're all leaning against the trends here via ESPN. These are pretty damning, which I think we're all picking Georgia. Um, so just running through the trends here, Tennessee is seven and one against the spread this year, tied with Tulane. Hello, mm. Baloo, best cover percentage in the FBS. Uh, no top two team has been at least an eight-point underdog since the 2020 ACC title game. That was when number two Notre Dame was plus 11 against Clemson. Clemson won that by 24. Um, a uh, then nine-point spread is the largest spread in a 1-2 matchup since 2013 when Florida State was a nine-point favorite over number two Auburn in the BCS title game. Florida State won it by three. Uh, these next two are interesting. Underdogs in one two matchups are 24, 12, and one against the spread. And they are 20 and 17 outright since the 78 FBS FCS split, including 4 and 0 against the spread in the last two seasons. Um, this last one underdogs of at least seven points in one two matchups are 8 and 2 against the spread, 6 and 4 straight up. So basically, what the trends are telling us is that it's going to be close. And I'm with y'all. I think that Kirby Smart is going to have something dialed up. I mean, he did it last year in the title game against Alabama. I know Jamison Williams got hurt, and that drastically changed Bill O'Brien's entire approach, and they just kind of suffocated them after that. Very different defense, but Georgia is still uber-talented. They got dudes everywhere. Nolan Smith is a big loss, but I think they're just going to insert another five-star, and they'll be fine. I do think that the key here, and we joked about this earlier, is Stetson Bennett, for all the jokes about him and, you know, how he's just kind of like, you know, the guy driving the bus with all the other talented guys. I mean, he has more passing yards on the year than Hendon Hooker. Um, I mean, if it's not for Will Rogers playing in the Arena Football League offense, he's leading the SEC. Um, right. So I think this is where Georgia's offense kind of, you know, raises their hand and says, hey, um, you know, we're, we're here too. Because we, we talked about the tight ends. I mean, Brock Bowers is a cheat code. Um, Darnell Washington is as well. I mean, the dude is, is built like the Terminator. And I think that that's the difference. I don't know if Tennessee has anyone that can cover them. And they're just such matchup nightmares because of the position they play, where it's not like you can just roll a corner down and just man to man, you know, zero coverage. Like these are tight ends that play like receivers, but they are also just demons over the middle, yards after the catch. Like this is not, you know, a you know, a Greg Olson type guy that just a possession tight end. Like these are guys that catch the ball and look to score. Mm-hmm. Um I Tennessee is really, really, really good. And I know I, I've given Nick, you know, I've, I've poked fun at him for the last couple of weeks, but I mean, he's right. Like they are extremely good. I just think they just kind of meet their makers, so to speak here. And 
I said it a couple weeks ago when they played Bama. I said that the moment would be too big for them. Now, Bama did kind of piss down their leg late in that game and, and kind of gave them yeah, a layup yeah. there. But I think this is where it's just a little too big for them. And well, I think and, it's mostly because it's Georgia. It's not them screwing up. Right, right. And when last year, after the SEC title game, I thought, now, oh, man, this is, you know, we, we watched all year. This Georgia defense was incredible. And then we saw what, what you know, Saban was finally able to do against them. Saban's going to win, you know, in the, in the in national championship game. I really just thought that, you know, Kirby Smart had met a coach better than him and that had, you know, pretty much as much talent as they did. And that was it. And then we saw what Georgia did in the national title game. It's possible Kirby Smart's a really good coach, too. I mean, yes, he is an incredible amasser, if that's a word, of talent. Like, mm-hmm. he just gathers all the, the five-star Pokemon in in Athens. I get that. But also, <laughs> they're still pretty good. I mean, Ohio State, they got a lot of five-stars, too. And we saw what, you know, Texas A&M does with their four and five-stars. So, right. it's not just about getting talent. It's that Kirby Smart's done a lot with it. And, like, this might be, you know, I mean, obviously, I think Saban's a better coach than Heupel. But, I mean, it's possible that Smart outcoaches him and outtalents mm-hmm. him. Especially with this body of work that Tennessee has put on film to this point. You know, like, not that not that there wasn't film when they yeah, played Bama. They made- I mean, Saban poured over, I'm sure, everything <laughs> he could find on Heupel. But you got to think, after Bama and after Florida and LSU and Kentucky, Smart in Georgia, like if 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 you're not familiar with what Tennessee is going to do at this point, you're just never going to be familiar with it. So I have to think they will have a plan. I don't think anybody's going to shut Tennessee down, anybody. But I think Georgia has a defense at home that can at least slow Tennessee down. I mean, it's easier said yeah. than done. But and, yeah. and again, that's relative. I'm not saying that that Tennessee is going to be held to like. <laughs> under 21 or anything i just think maybe georgia keeps them out of the 30s maybe yeah i mean i think this is just going to be a just a special type of clamping and i think it's the crowd is definitely going to play a factor god I, i i text nick i text you um earlier this week and asked when cbs's first dibs is up because it's really criminal that this game is not a night game and the mm-hmm. Alabama Ole Miss game is not a night game. I know the two thirty CBS slot is, you know, it's historic. It's 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 a you know, you know, such an you know anointment of you know, you know, it's like a knighting ceremony of like you are the mm-hmm. game of the week. But like we're robbed. Like this should be a night game just to make the atmosphere even that more raucous. But yeah, I I don't know. I, Tennessee's probably gonna go eleven and one, and unfortunately won't play in Atlanta. But I think it has a lot more to do with Georgia is still the king because. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. I was just going to say also for Georgia, this is their season in terms mm-hmm. of if yeah. it's possible it. maybe that if Tennessee were to lose this game, they might, you know, things get weird. They might get sneaky in, especially if, if Georgia were to beat Alabama in the, in the SEC championship game, give them two losses. But this Tennessee team would be 11 and one. You know, let's say they play Georgia close, they, they would have beaten Alabama, beaten everyone else on the schedule. Whereas Georgia doesn't have that Alabama win over, it, it, 
during the regular season. So if Georgia loses this game, they're eleven and one, and their best win is uh, Kentucky or Florida. I mean, Mississippi Oregon. State. Like, a, Oregon. yeah, okay, yeah, Oregon. It's Oregon. You, you, you're right, but it, that's not Bama. And 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 Oregon, you know, could they could be a two loss team very easily, and that that Alabama win is going to stand up for Tennessee. They just don't have what Tennessee has. I mean, not that Pitt is a great football team, but Tennessee's also got the win over Pitt. So, I mean, they've got a yeah. little bit out of the conference and and way better in conference than Georgia's going to have. So, I mean, for Georgia, I think if they lose, their chances in a national championship are maybe not zero, but they're negligible. Whereas I think also, for Tennessee, if they lose, they're a lot higher. Still. Yeah, agreed. I think you misspoke, though. I, you meant to say when if Georgia beats Ole Miss in the SEC championship game. Of course. Of course. Correct. There'll, there'll be no better victory, obviously, than that Ole Miss game. Right. <clears throat> All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel pretty good about what we're saying. I, and before all the uh, the folks in uh, on Rocky Top get angry at us, we're not saying you're not good. I think it's just uh, just kind of one of those where somebody's good is just better than you're good. Um, all right, so. All this talk about night games, let's get to it. Saturday, 7 o'clock, Alabama at LSU. The line is still 13 and a half. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, 13 or 13 yep. and a half. Um, I don't think I'm going to lay them. Or, excuse me, I don't think I'm going to lock it in just yet, but I'm laying the points. Um. I think, and this is a credit to Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. I think LSU is getting a ton, a ton of credit and a ton of buzz for what they did to Ole Miss. And now it was a complete dismantling. Ole Miss had a shot to put them away, get up 21-3. They didn't. And to Brian Kelly's credit, they bounced back and won the game handedly. Um, Man, I just feel like this is a game that like Nick Saban lives for. Yeah. I mean this he his teams love this us against the world going into hostile territory night game. I mean you remember what they did years ago in Athens when Georgia did the blackout and they went in there and just crashed the party. Um I think LSU they've gotten better as the years gone on, but I think they're a bit inflated right now and I think that this is where they get humbled. Um, I, I like Alabama in this spot a lot just for everything I've already said with just Saban's whole mentality and how he coaches and how he builds this program. Um, I, I just, I don't know. Alabama's covered four of its last five as a double-digit favorite. Um, they've been favored in 15 consecutive games against LSU, and they are 12-3 and three straight up Whoa. in those games. Um Man, I feel like this one's going to be kind of a bummer for people tuning in, expecting a a knockdown drag out fight. I think Alabama wins this one handedly. I, I definitely think Alabama's going to win. I think it's a bad matchup kind of for LSU. I will say this: I'm not locking it in in real life. I will be taking LSU in the points simply because I'm hedging my bets. I, if I mean we won't get into <laughs> it, but if Bama wins, we're setting up for. 
and if not the biggest game in the history of all Hemingway Stadium, definitely a top two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely of the modern era, obviously. I mean, I, I can't really speak to stuff that happened in the 60s, but, you know, at least since like 1985, <clears throat> it's that big of a game. So I'm going to hedge it just because I need Alabama to win so that that happens. But I just think this is a bad matchup for LSU. That I mean, I, I'm trying to think about what they do really well on offense. And they've got a, a mobile quarterback uh, who doesn't throw a good deep ball, so they can't really take the top off of Alabama's defense like Tennessee was able to. And, I mean, you know, for all that Tennessee did against Alabama offensively, it took an absolutely Herculean, you know, 50-plus points the first time it had happened in a century. Bama had to miss a field goal, 15 seconds left. Tennessee had to drive down and then kick a you know, pretty lengthy field goal to win the game. It took all of that for Tennessee, who has, I think, a better, you know, top-end wide receiver than what else. She's got – to beat them by what two points, three, three points, I guess. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's a lot for Tennessee to beat them. And LSU's not this Tennessee team. And I think people kind of give LSU a lot of credit because they've got some names uh, on, on on offense, you know, like, you know, Keishon Butte. Oh, that's a big mm-hmm. name. He torched Ole Miss two years ago. The guy's got like 248 or 348 yards receiving this year. He would be third on Ole Miss's team in receiving yards. I just think that they've got a little bit more, you know, bark than bite there. They don't have a running back really at all to speak of that I'm I'm impressed with. I just think that Alabama still don't know home. his name. Yeah, I, yep. I I mean I don't that that says something about him. I, and I mean he was I guess better, but like John Emery was a five star guy, was supposed to be a stud, has done nothing for LSU. Daniels, you know, best pass against Ole Miss was an arm punt that we just like. I don't know, we forgot what we were doing out there. You know, the guy caught the ball at like the three-yard line and then just walked in the end zone. It's very odd. I, I don't think that LSU's defense either can can stop Alabama enough to score, you know, enough points. I just – I look at what you do against Alabama to beat them. You have to be elite on one side of the ball. Texas A&M was, you know, full of four and five stars on defense and kind of held that Alabama offense down. And Tennessee was elite on the offensive side of the ball and scored a bunch of points. LSU is elite on neither side of the ball. The Ole Miss spirit and talk of champions are coming up on the one-year anniversary of our move to own three. We couldn't be happier. Winning has certainly helped. Football continues to roll. Baseball is fresh off the first ever national championship in program history. Life is good. But change is always hard. And I don't even want to think where we'd be without LinkedIn jobs, which made our initial hiring experience as seamless as as possible. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Create in seconds a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs and add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word about your opening. They offer simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses ranked LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Lane Kiffin and the Ole Miss Football Rebels have a little over a month remaining in the 2022 season. You want them to finish strong, right? Well, you need to finish strong, too, with LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free today at linkedin.com slash TOC. That's linkedin.com slash TOC to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. That's LinkedIn Jobs, a proud sponsor 
of Talk of Champions. Yeah, I uh, I think I agree with everything both of you have said. I, I expect Bama to win, but if I got to bet it, I think I'm taking the points with LSU here. Bama has not been the saving killing machine that we've seen in recent years on the road. They struggled yeah, yeah. earlier this year with Texas. Now, Texas obviously has a better quarterback and maybe maybe a better roster than LSU, comparable they, roster they, anyway. They take a lot of penalties too on the road. They're ter- they're they are terrible on the road when it comes to discipline and execution. They false starts, uh, you know, illegal formations. It's just weird on the road. That's it's very uncharacteristic of saving teams. But this year and last year, they've done that. Um, obviously, Tennessee played well enough to win, but they didn't get the job done. Ultimately, I just think on the road it's going to be hostile here. Night kick in Death Valley. I don't care you know, how good or bad LSU is. Typically, that's a tough environment. Um, I really wanted to lock the over in here at 56. I, I don't see how this is just an average pace scoring game, but weather's supposed to be terrible. It's put rain, wind, so I'm going to stay away from a lock on it. I think LSU covers. I think Bama wins. And if the rain doesn't just absolutely bog the game down, I can see Bama getting to mid-30s here, and if LSU just goes low 20s, that's an easy over. I, that 56 was weird. I, I, I don't understand the understeam. I think it opened at like 58 and has gone down to 56. That may be just a, a weather play, but um, if it's not just a torrential downpour, how do these teams not get to like 58 or 60? Right. Yeah. I'm, uh, <clears throat> you know, regardless of how I think the game's going to go, I will be tuned in. Uh, I, I do think here, just kind of my betting, kind of how I go about picking games for the most part, it's not undefeated by any means. It's not always right, but I'm going to go with the better quarterback. And I do think Bryce Young can eliminate some of the issues with, now they're still the worst penalized team in the country, um, but on a, on a road night game, Hostile environment. I don't think this is like stepping too far out on a ledge here, but I'm going to take the reigning Heisman Trophy winner to uh, just get it done. Um, He's been sneaky good this year, and I think that because they lost to Tennessee, people kind of forget just how good he's been this year. Um, I mean, the guy is, is, is sneaky, athletic, and he's a magician back there. He buys time, and look, I don't care how good you are it's hard to cover people for six, seven seconds. And even though they don't have those killers like they've had in recent years, Bama's receivers are good enough to get open. And look, Ole Miss got behind the LSU secondary plenty. Now, Dart missed on a couple, but I will take my chances with Bama being able to test them and to hit some big plays early and – I just kind of feel like this is going to be a game where Bama just kind of flexes their muscle and reminds LSU of how much they own them. I mean, I said that stat of how they have just dominated this series. Even, you know, it's 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 wild to think that they've dominated for that long. Um, but, yeah, 12 and 3 straight up in the last 15 games. I, yeah, I'm going to take uh, – I'm going to take Saban. The oldest right. LSU series is a lot closer than the LSU Alabama series. Yeah, how crazy is that? 
That's yeah. And in fact, I don't even think it's close. Is it? The predicted score by Odd Shark for this game is mm-hmm. twenty-one to three point four Alabama. Twenty-one to three point four. Yeah. Good lord. Now, isn't that weird? Should take the under on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe they know about the weather too. So Bama's fifty-five and twenty-six against LSU. LSU is sixty-five and forty-one against Ole Miss. That that is astonishing to me. I, I had no idea it was that that long side. Of course, the twelve and three of the last fifteen that that helps a good bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, shall we lock it up? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So obviously, <laughs> you haven't figured it out by now. Ben is not with us. Um, he had some uh, some paternal duties to attend uh, to, but he did send us his locks. Uh, so let's get him on the board with one. I am going to throw out for him because I will be in attendance for this one. So skin in the game for him while I will be there. South Carolina minus six and a half against Vanderbilt. And I like this pick. I think... uh, South Carolina needs to bounce back badly. Yeah, and I mean, it's Vandy, and, you know, Vandy's going to, you know, they're going to... They're going to get a little spunky early in the year, but eventually they kind of regress to the mean of who they are. South Carolina's the better team. I, Marshawn Lloyd's having a fantastic year, and I, I like this pick. I think uh, how how much of a road game can can Vandy be? Um, living here in Nashville, uh, the alumni base for South Carolina is is actually huge. Um, so I expect a lot of people wearing garnet and black at that one. Um, and folks will travel in anyway because it's Nashville, and they'll make a weekend out of it. But I, I like this pick a lot. I, I think South Carolina handles them. I I wouldn't even I don't even, I wouldn't even think twice about it after what happened last week in the weird game against Mizzou. I, I think that's a good pick. Yeah, I like it. I mean, look, Carolina's underachieved, but their roster is still a hell of a lot better than Bandy's roster. Yeah, uh, for sure, might be a good game for Rattler to get on track. Indeed. Um, all right. I, I wrote them last week. I'm going to write them again. I'm going to go Coastal Carolina plus three um, against App State. Um, yeah, I just think uh, App State, you know, almost kind of similar to Vandy. They were spunky early in the year. They had a big win, and then uh, they lost one, um, and they're just just – just kind of okay at this point. And I just think Coastal, I'm going to take the better quarterback. Um, Grayson McCall has been great for for the Shants, and uh, I'm going to take them at home to uh, handle business against the uh, the Nears. I like it. Better QB, better coach at home. It's a huge game in the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, my up. Yeah, or I've got one if you need if you need time. I'm gonna fire on this one before one of you assholes takes it. Uh give me Clemson minus three and a half. Mm. I think this Ooh. I don't understand. I don't understand this number. I, I don't, don't get the line either. Line stinks. So, it stinks, but you you gotta play. 
look, I, I make this over a touchdown for what it's worth. That doesn't matter. But like Clemson's weakness to the degree that they have one on defense is their secondary. That's what all year they can be had downfield with athletic receivers against a really good quarterback. What does Notre Dame not have? Athletic yeah, receivers or a really good quarterback. They got a hell of a tight end, but I think Clemson's linebackers will be fine against him. Notre Dame is not going to run the ball against this Clemson front. They're just not. So the question is, how does Clemson offense match up against uh, Notre Dame's defense? And I think just fine. I think DJU and company can assert their will along the lines of scrimmage. I don't need them to be dominant. I just need them to win by four points, and I'm good. Assuming DJU doesn't get hurt, thoughts and prayers to all the story, starting quarterbacks I bet on this week. But uh, I think they'll be fine. Because, look, club the, the backup at Clemson is pretty, pretty damn good. So I, even if DJ goes down, I like my chances against a very pedestrian Notre Dame team. I get that this is at Notre Dame. They they have a decent home field advantage, but I cannot make these teams. You're telling me Clemson is like seven on a neutral? I don't think so. I don't think right. so. So let me lay the three and a half with the Tigers. I, I looked at that number all week because because it stinks so much. I, and I almost took it. I mean, I, it's, it's not that I'm, I'm afraid of Vegas here. I just – as you just got to it before me, and I wasn't really ready to pull the trigger. But man, this looks like—I mean, I mean, three is just—I I, don't—I don't know what the problem is. I mean, Clemson is playing at this point just to—you know—if they win out, which you know, odds exactly. are that they—they they probably will. They're going to the college football playoff. I mean, they're—they're they're locked in at this point. So all they've got to do is, is their, not stumble. And it, this is their last test, isn't it? Exactly. You took the word out on that. This is their last hurdle. You win this one, and I. I think from here on out, you can throw it in neutral and coast through the rest of their ACC schedule. Yeah, yeah. I love this one. All right, I'm going to go to, uh, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to go to Charlottesville. And you I dog. Am, I, I don't see how this, first of all, the, the line is 60 and a half, which I'm going to read you how many points Virginia scores. And that tells you, it's going to tell you everything you need to know about how bad North Carolina's defense is. But with that said, I want North Carolina minus seven. I've seen what Virginia can do to other teams' defenses, and I think that they might make North Carolina's look somewhat, you know, competent, I guess. I mean, these are the last few games, counting backwards, most recent first. Virginia has scored 12, 16 in a win over Georgia Tech, 17, 17, 20, 16, 3, and 34 in the very first game of the season against Richmond. They have not scored more than 20 points since the first game of the season. That is just how many touchdowns? How many touchdowns did Virginia score last week in four overtimes? They 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 lost 14 to 12. They kicked four field goals. Then they they, they had a, a scoreless overtime. Am I right? They scored zero touchdowns in a four overtime football game. That's like it's yeah. impossible. It's remarkable. I don't. Wasn't it twelve to twelve in over? Like, didn't they not score in overtime at all? Yeah, maybe field goals yeah. or anything. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. This it went just, to two point conversions. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't think they scored the first, second, and then the third one. It goes to two points. But just to, I mean, again, North Carolina's defense very bad. We won't get into that. But their offense, 42, 38, 27, 41, 
32, 35, 63 against App State and 56. I mean, this is the, you know, stoppable force against the movable object. But I think Virginia's offense is so bad that North Carolina will just – they're going to score some points still, and I don't think Virginia can keep it with them. I mean, this line is seven and a half. The only reason it's that close is because Charlotte's was such a tough place to play, I guess. But, get, I mean, if this line was 10, I'd probably still take North Carolina. Virginia's offense is terrible. And yeah. I'm not saying that, you know, the, the coach is on, is on the hot seat after coming from Clemson. But he sh- I mean, he should at the same time, yeah, I, you can't be this bad. I don't, I don't care how, you know, what, it was Tony Elliott. Is this his first season? Is that right? Yeah, first season. I, you but, can't be this bad yeah. even in year one. It's, it's, it's a, you know, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's starting to seem like maybe Clemson was good, not so much because of Franklin or Elliott, rather, Tony Elliott, right? Isn't that it? Mm-hmm. Well, also, another quarter, you know, and another coordinator that's struggling elsewhere, Brent Venables, right? Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe it was just the dudes on the field and not so much the guys on the sideline. Yeah. I, this is Virginia's terrible. I, can you imagine being bad? And also never scoring three touchdowns in a game. Oh my God. And look, if people don't know Drake May's name, like figure yeah. it out. Dude's the He's truth. First first round guys. He's a true freshman. True freshman. Yeah. Yeah. That's unbelievable. We, we were saying this in like week two. Yeah. Like yeah, he's, at that he's point, special. I didn't have a read on how bad UNC's defense was, but we knew that Drake May was <laughs> sick way back then. And he is. All right. Um, hmm. I'm tinkering a little bit here. I'm going to go. Man, I had that Clemson one circled. I was going to get that one. Um, all right. Give me. Nick, you might have to do a fact check me here. Is the Penn State line still 14? Yeah, it's 14 even, yep. All right, give me the Nittany Lions, minus 14. Um, Indiana's just not good. I'm kind of hedging against my, you know, my my season total pick earlier that they would win under four games. Um, But I also think Penn State's pretty good, and I like for them to bounce back after the the loss to Ohio State. Um, It's in Bloomington. I don't think that really matters. Uh, I, I like for the Nittany Lions to to get back in the win column. Um, yeah, I I almost wanted to go under. So I think it's 50 and a half, but I, I, I'm going to take the two touchdown win. I think that's enough. Indiana's trash. I still don't know how they beat Illinois earlier in the season. Oh, my God. You know that that keeps Bird up at night. Would Illinois yeah. be unbeaten if that, if that... Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, can you imagine Illinois like ranked like seventh right now? Yeah, that would be <laughs> and, and Arkansas uh, not ranked. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Does uh, All right. we have another one? Another one for Ben? Oh yes. Or Austin, go ahead. No, no, go, go. Let's let's get one of Ben's off the board. Uh, let's get another one for Ben. Let's go to. Uh... Let's go to uh, Fredericksburg and we'll get JMU plus seven and a half. Um, 
And if I'm being honest, I'm going to have to effort here who they are playing. Louisville? Louisville. They're going to Louisville. Yes. Um, I don't hate this pick whatsoever. I think the Dukes are a solid team. They've taken some on the chin the last couple weeks, but I don't think Louisville's very good. And Satterfield, don't look now. Seat's getting a little warm. Um, They have really underachieved. Malik Cunningham has not been nearly as good as I think people thought he'd be in this, you know, what, third year in the system. Um, Yeah, I, I like this pick. I mean, it's not for JMU to win, obviously, but I think they can cover that on the road because I just – I don't know. I just don't think Louisville's that good. So, I don't hate that pick whatsoever. And who does Louisville have next week? They go to Clemson. Ooh, a look-ahead spot. Also, yeah, and, very and, crafty, and, and Ben. Austin can very much touch on this, but what Louisville did last week against Wake Forest was not really indicative of how the game went. They won 48-21. Austin, do you want to touch on whether or not they're, they're four touchdowns better than Wake Forest? Oh, my God. Again, just literally – the worst performance by a quarterback I've ever seen. It's just unbelievable. Like Sam Hartman is shaving points. It was unbelievably bad. Six and turnovers all, in the third quarter, correct? In the third quarter, in the third quarter alone, six turnovers. Like amazing. They had eight on the game. Oh, uh, can we can we know? Yeah. But PSA here, I probably should have thrown this out first. Uh, JMU's quarterback is questionable. Yeah. I, we uh <laughs> they need him to play. Uh, I think he's you – know, somebody, can you fact check this real time? I think he had the number one QBR in the country before he got hurt. So, like, he's good. Like, really good. Uh, so, they got to have him here. If not, I think Ben would probably tell you to stay away from, from JMU. I think it just says questionable. We probably won't know until Saturday. So, uh, if he goes, I love it over a touchdown. If not, I, I would stay away from it. He's thrown 1,780 yards. Todd Santeo, 1,700 mm-hmm. yards, 17 and four. Uh, last year was 15 and 10, threw 2,900 yards. He's, yeah, he's been been pretty good thus far this year. I mean, he's, he's top 20 in QBR. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Transferred from like Colorado State, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's right. I think his QBR was a little. He he struggled a little bit against Georgia Southern last uh, two weeks ago. Okay. He's just and behind. Has, has been hurt. Yeah. He's yeah, just exactly. behind. I think that was the game. Michael Penix Jr. and one Jackson Dart, who is 17th in the country. Okay. Um. All right, Nick, you got one. I am going to pass the torch to Austin. You got a second one? Yeah, yeah, Austin. yeah. Let's let's go. Uh, I hate when people say this because most of the time it's just dead ass wrong. But I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, let's go Baylor, Oklahoma. Wrong team's favorite here. Baylor's better than Oklahoma. They're getting three and a half. Give me the uh, Bears. Yeah. Love this. Love this. Uh, I didn't realize look, that, that that was the line. Yeah. Baylor catching three and a half. Um, I know circumstances were a little different. Obviously, Matt Corral goes down. Things change. Altmaier has to come in. But do y'all remember what, what Baylor's defense did to the, the Jeff Levy last time they saw him? Like mm-hmm. – Complete domination, like complete yeah, domination. It's true. Uh, Gabriel's probably better than Altmire. Is he Matt Carell better than Altmire? I, no. I don't think so. No, <clears throat> so, certainly hasn't been this year. No, 
I like Baylor here outright. Give me the three points as an insurance policy or three and a half. I just think Baylor's the better team on the lines of scrimmage. I think I might. They go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I, that might be a Saturday little sprinkle money line there. For sure. Yeah. I'd, I'd put, throw something on it. I think Baylor's, Baylor's got the better coach. They're arguably having a better season. I mean, Oklahoma has nothing to play for at this point, not by Oklahoma standards. I mean, yeah, I guess they could still go to some Big 12 mid tier bowl, but. That's not, you know, that that's not what that program lives for. So uh, give me a more motivated team with a better head coach mm-hmm. who has faced Jeff Levy recently enough to be familiar with this scheme. I, I just trust Baylor to shut down OU's offense, and I think Baylor can put up enough points here to stay competitive and not win outright. The folks that I've talked to that know far more about football, like X's and O's, than I do in, like, the industry – say that they think that Venables is going to struggle early because of what he asks his defensive players to do mentally. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's, you know, no offense to who they have on the roster now, but I think it's a completely different scheme. And, like, he needs that, like, cerebral middle linebacker and that safety that can take control of a defense and take control of a room and command attention and command you know like y'all know what i'm saying like they they just don't have that yet they don't have that guy that is going to be the dude in the huddle and you know i've some people that i know are very knowledgeable like former players and former coaches have said that like it could take two years it could maybe take five he may not get five years but they just don't have that on defense right now. And, you know, it, think about the dudes he had at Clemson on defense. Um, like the – what was the guy's name? Like, but the Polish name. The, like, yeah. Stalski Stol- or whatever. Yeah, yeah like yeah. like he needs those types of dudes to, like, run a defense and, like, be the coach on the field, all the, you know, metaphors and cliches and all that. But, like, they Oklahoma, like, they, I mean, it's year one. We'll see how they look next year, maybe in year three. But, yeah, I, I'm with you, Austin. That, that's a great pick. I, I think that Baylor is a really like, – this is like a game that, like, they're built to win. Mm-hmm. Like a like a close, you know, line, you know, on the road, and you just kind of gut it out and just win. Yeah, I think they can drag OU into the mud, you know, and play the mm-hmm. tempo that, that Aranda wants to play. And just impose yeah. their will on the lines of scrimmage. OU has not been impressive on either the offensive or defensive lines this year. So I think Baylor can control the line of scrimmage and just play a little bully ball and leave uh, Norman with a win. Yeah. I, you talk about rock team favor. You're exactly right. I'm going to stick in the Big 12. Another game that I truly think the wrong team is favored, but I don't have the guts to take the, the team that I think should be favored. Kansas State went to Stillwater last week. And, oh my and God! Dragged Gundy. Dude. I mean, absolutely dragged them. Was it forty-eight oh to nothing? God. Was the final? Yeah, dude. The worst the, loss the, of his career. Yeah. The service in College Station in Northgate was terrible. I was trying to call the police. Someone should have. I couldn't get someone a call out. <laughs> if you see it, something, it was, say something. <laughs> seriously, I. Also, you said worst loss of his career. I'm glad. I'm thank. Yeah. I'm thankful that. I mean, that he doesn't have a 50 point loss in his resume. I mean, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm just <laughs> yeah. underscore the point. Like the dude doesn't lose like that. Like never. No. He never loses like that. 
No, this is, I thought Matt Luke had stepped in there for a second. I, sorry. <laughs> but I mean, 48 points in, in, you know, in a ranked matchup is absurd. I think Kansas State should be favored all the way, which is why I'm sure that if I take Kansas State, you know, they'll lose by three points or something like that. Texas will just, you know, will themselves to victory because they've got more talent. What I'm going to do instead is I'm going to take the under because somehow Kansas State scored 48 points last week. And it was still under 54 and a half that they're going to get this week. <laughs> I, I think that this is a game Kansas State acknowledges that Texas has tons of talent, and I think they're going to slow it down. It's in Manhattan. It's at night. Probably going to be a pretty good atmosphere, especially after what they did last week. This 54 and a half scene, I think this is going to be a comfortable under. Uh, I think Kansas State is a very good defensive team. We saw last week they're a pretty good offensive team. But what they want to do when they're at their best is run the football. And I think that lends itself to being a little bit shorter of a game. Texas offense is, you know, up and down. Obviously, you know, immensely talented still. But this 54 and a half, I think it's going to be comfortably under. If you told me this game was played at like, you know, 21-17 or 21-13 type, I really, really believe that. Look, I, I agree. And I'm having to resist not because of reasons you mentioned I kind of want to lock in Texas here because this just feels weird. Oh, after after K State does that, after they do that, forty eight points shellacking. They're at home, a night game against the the you know preeminent program, the blue blood of blue bloods in their conference, and they're catching two and a half. Like, what am I? What am I missing? I I feel like this is just like you bet Texas here and hold your nose. I think I'm gonna exactly. stay away from it right now, but see, I, uh, man, I, and you could be dead on, and you know, I, th- this is a gambling show, and you know, of course, there are gonna be some games where we're just like, oh, this is what's gonna happen. I get, and then the other, the other, no, 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 no. this is the game. Yeah, these happen every week. A lot of what I talked about with Alabama, and how these are games that like Nick Saban lives for. Like that dude is mm-hmm. going to be just mainlining oatmeal cream pies at 5 a.m. And he is yeah. going to be just Diet Dr. Pepper, just following oh, just it. that and just hammering Maxwell House and just yeah. getting so geeked up. These are the games that like not only Steve Sarkeesian, but like the Texas program loses on a routine basis. Like they for sure. It's it's like the on paper game that it's like there's no way the Longhorns are losing this. And then they lose them. Yeah. Um, and yet, and everybody knows this. Everybody agrees with you, me included. And yet, what's the number? It's Texas. I know. Doing I know. That. Like it's what, so. It's it's yeah. I mean, this is the letdown spot of all letdown spots for Kansas State, even though it's at home, is. which is crazy to say. But also for Kansas State, I mean, they, they could. I, I get it. It is a letdown spot, but at the same time, you simply can't let yourself down because if they continue winning they'll play for a big 12 title and yeah I mean, outside shot the playoff. things exactly that's what i was going to say I, they would get they would get schlacked in the playoff by pretty mm-hmm. much anything that's going to be there i acknowledge that but a 12 and 1 big 12 team has a pretty good chance of doing it if, if that what you know i mean like someone's got to be yeah. there especially if clemson were to do something crazy like lose to notre dame this week I mean, the door's wide open so the big 12 is, is good and you're, you're playing good good teams week in week out but you just can't let yourself have a letdown like this and because Who, the big 12 is just top two teams go what's uh do you know adrian martinez's availability he's gonna he's gonna go apparently so okay. that i think that's obviously influencing the number here 
Um, and also, Texas is off a bye, I think. So, oh. obviously, in their favor. But I think one thing that, that sort of mitigates against that, Texas has TCU on deck. The yeah. undefeated TCU Horn Frogs on yeah. deck. So, and they hate think to TCU? No, that's at Texas, at Austin. Okay, so, Texas. Yeah. So you would think that coming off of a bye, there wouldn't be as much of a look-ahead impulse here, but it's hard not to look ahead at that one. I mean, that's a huge one. So could you, I want to stay away because it just stinks. Could you imagine being a recruit? And, like, let, let's play devil's advocate. You know, just, just a random scenario here, not, nothing influenced by anything. You're a five-star recruit, and you're committed to Texas, and you're seeing what they're doing. What's going through your head seeing this? Like, imagine if they lose to this Kansas State team. That sure, Kansas State's ranked, but you're the favorite. You're the better team. You have the better roster, and you still lose? Unfortunately. And you're still going to go play for this guy? Yeah, I think as long as the check clears, dude, you just get dollar signs. Yeah. And look, I'm not hating. Like, whatever. They Players have deserved to make money for a long, long time. So I'm not not saying they shouldn't. But I'm just saying, I think wins and losses are going to be less important going forward. Yeah, you know, as as Newman would say, the old coot's sitting on a mountain of gold. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just pulling a random quote from a character named Newman, who's on a show called Seinfeld, and it, not influenced by anything else um, from thirty years ago. But yeah, um, as we Nick, you know me, you, you know us. We always say this: you don't just walk into Bill Snyder Family Stadium and get a win. No, you you don't. And Chris Kleiman, I mean, it took him a couple of years. I think that COVID year, because he had a pretty good first year. That COVID year kind of set him back. They were a little bit better last year. It's just a good coach. I mean, that's all yep, there is yeah. to it. And I was going to say, a that's certain a certain type of style, just a good coach. That's a really tough job. Yep. Yes. It's a tough it's, place it's, to recruit to. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't care. Like, that's probably it. I can't quite put my finger on it. Because they've had, look, I mean, Y'all remember back in the day, like they had some really yeah, good Snyder teams. Was a monster, yeah, yeah. But there's just no talent in that state at all. They're heavily think reliant about, on the JUCO system. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say, think about the the, the the states you have to go into. All your neighboring states have a school that's better than you. Nebraska, bigger mm-hmm. program than you. Missouri yeah. in the SEC. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, better programs than you. So I mean, like yeah. everywhere you're going nearby that might have some talent. Hey, maybe there's a guy, you know, in Kansas City that we can go in after. I mean, that guy in Kansas City has a chance to go to Missouri. And then, you know, that guy in Tulsa has a chance to go to Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. So it's 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 in the middle of nowhere. There's no in-state talent. And they are against other good programs next to them, you know, it, which is kind yeah. of like Nebraska has the benefit of Kansas State is in a great program. Maybe they they can go into those JUCOs and get those guys. Mm-hmm. Y'all remember that run – that Bill Snyder had 98, 99, 2000. Bill Snyder won 33 games in three years. And that's on an 11 game schedule, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. So they were yeah. 11 and 2, 11 and 1, 11 and 3. <laughs> I mean, that oh, was back. Crazy. I mean, I mean, we're talking Michael Bishop. 33 and 6. I mean, Michael Bishop, you know, under center. I mean, they were back. That that was that was when they were still running the the Veer, um, man. And just honestly, and like they're not a sponsor, at least not yet. 
um, probably some of the best home field apparel you can get. K State's got got some heat. Oh, some yeah. of their, their oh, throwback yeah. logos. Um, all right. Um, this one actually wasn't on my board that I was looking at, but I love it now that I've seen it. Uh, I'm going to go for my third and final lock. I'm going to go Michigan State, Illinois, over 41 and a half. Um, I think that the (laughs) – I don't want to say the the honeymoon or like the jig is up with Mel Tucker because he robbed them blind, but they are about to just fall apart. I mean – The jig is up. Like – Yeah. Kenneth Walker the third man got you paid. Like you need to buy him like three cars. Um, that I mean, just come on. Like the the stuff that happened with At Kenneth with Walker them. and Scott Woodward. Scott Woodward is responsible for the worst contracts in the country. Like <laughs> he yeah. got Jimbo paid. He got Mel Tucker paid because people thought that he was actually interested in hiring him at LSU. Like dude is just a menace. Yeah. Um. I mean, look. I, all jokes aside, what happened in the tunnel at Michigan Stadium is egregious and just unacceptable. Yeah, um, it can't happen. They suspended like eight dudes. Um, yeah, that, that's got to be a factor too. I mean, I, maybe none of them start, but I mean, well, one of them the I know trip. is their best defensive player. Okay, yeah, they, they made the trip in a conference game where you can only take like sixty players. Right. So, if nothing else, they they probably see the field all eight of them. The insane thing about this was the guy that was assaulted, and that's what he was. He was assaulted. Like, he was straight up jumped. That dude was in the locker room. Two people that were assaulted. Yeah, that guy was in the locker room getting an x-ray. Yeah. And was, like, done. It was, like, coming coming back onto the field to, like, just join his teammates, and he just got jumped. Um, Some of those Spartan players are probably going to catch some charges. Um. Yeah, the guy that was appeared to be wielding a helmet deserves whatever charges are coming his way. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's that's ridiculous. Those things are so strong now. Might as well yeah. be wielding an axe. Yeah. Um, I just Michigan State wasn't good before that happened, and they're 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 certainly not good now that they're losing seven eight guys. I mean, maybe more before this game kicks. Um, and Illinois is just good. I mean, Bert's yeah, got on defense. Yeah. I, shout out Ryan Walters, man. I mean, that yeah, guy. Um, but, yeah, I think this is just a game that Illinois does enough to get over the number. Um, and, I mean, Burt's probably going to go for some style points now because they're a one-loss team. And, like we said earlier, that Indiana loss is just probably just eating at him. So they're going to want to get some points on the board if they can. Um, so, yeah, I, I wasn't – this one This one wasn't on my radar, but now that I've seen it, I I, I like it. And, and like a lot of big brother, little brother matchups, like when Michigan State doesn't beat Michigan, when, you know, they get run like they did last week, they kind of quit for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan State is done. Like, I think you can write mm-hmm. them off. After that loss, the way it happened was ugly. They never really threatened. And then the incident after the game and the suspensions, I just I, – I wouldn't touch them for the rest of the year. Yeah. All right, Austin, before you get your last one, I'm going to get Ben one more. Contrary to what Nick is believing here. Oh, my gosh. I kind of <laughs> stop it. I kind of dig it. I think it. you want him to lose. 
No, 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 no. Yeah. I dig this. I mean, come on. The number is not that big. This could be a this could be a 26-24 game. I don't see that to be too crazy. Um and look, he feels pretty strongly about it and he backed it up with some with some evidence, some evidence-based argument here with SP plus. Um Air Force Army over 40 and a half. I mean, what what's the where is this at? Is this at West Point? Yeah, it yeah. is. Okay. So yeah, they'll they'll still at a neutral site, is it not? Oh, is it? Okay. Wait, for Army real? Air Force. I think so. It's in like if you type in Army Air Force, it where would it give be? You, it, it's, it's like San Antonio or something. What? It is. I'm pulling um, it up. I, it's a Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. I told y'all. Why? Army Army refuses to play normal games <laughs> against service academies. They always play in San Antonio or San Diego or Calgary. It's just in the most random spots. You know, it's you know, it's because the Army just looks down exactly. on the Air Force. Well, it's like we have to have strategic land defenses. Like they can't be near water when they play Navy. And like, <laughs> yeah, I, they don't I think like, Air I, Force is good enough to come to Mitchie. Exactly. Yeah, out in the middle of nowhere. Um, I like this pick. Look, I, don't know. I get it. It's yeah. a low number, but you know, I, I I don't have the exact stat, but Service Academy unders, it's like thirty and eight in the last thirty-eight matchups, and that they're playing in a in an extremely like ugly baseball field. Fast track. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It, Globe Life Park, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the new one, the new Texas Rangers ballpark, right? Yes. The old one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So playing in this 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 terrible baseball stadium, <laughs> I think my messing's up a little bit. I also don't think either team's very good. Uh, Air Force a little bit better, but I don't think Army's very good. Sometimes a bad, uh, you know, service academy offense can really get bogged down. Like really, Dude, really, really get bogged down because they're going to defense that's seen it a lot. This is a matchup of the two best rushing offenses in the country. <laughs> yeah, I you mean, haven't this is until you bet a service academy over. You, like, yes, it's yeah, just I mean, exhilarating. That's, that's how. Yeah, that's how you. That's, that's, a, that's how you that's mainline. One word for it. <laughs> I mean, this is Air Force averaging three hundred thirty-six on the ground and Army averaging three hundred thirty-four. I mean, sign me up. Last year was 21-14, and the line was 37 and a half. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, neither one of those programs have more rushing touchdowns than Ole Miss. This is true. How about that? Ole Miss, number three in the country in rushing offense, with Lane Kiffin as their head coach. What a world. Can you name the number four rushing offense in the country? Ooh, oh. Is it... I got two Mexico State. Nope. Is it K State or Tulane? New Mexico State. They're not even in the. They're. They're. I don't even think they're in the top ten. Okay. Kansas State's eleven. Okay. All right. Can you give us a conference? It is Conference USA. Oh man, I can't even tell you who's in Conference USA anymore at this point. (laughs) I'm thinking all of Sunbelt. I don't even. CUSA is, is don't think, on the back burner. Don't think too hard. You're going to – come on. It's, is it Marshall? No, it, they're it's in Sunbelt now, aren't they? It's, it's a coach that was really blazing a trail a couple years ago. You got to give it to me. I'm lost. No, I don't. 
It is the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Ah, yeah. Uh, really? They run the ball that much. That's surprising. 247 yards a game. Only 19 rushing touchdowns, but they they towed it. They got a good back, too. What's the kid's name? He's He's been there for like 10 years. Yeah, he was actually there when they killed the program. And yeah. now he's back. Is it Dwayne McBride? Yep. McBride. Yeah. He um he's run for eleven hundred and forty three yards and twelve touchdowns. He's averaging seven yeah, yards a carry. <laughs> yeah, pretty wild. Yeah, averaging averaging seven yards a carry. It's pretty pretty good. Yeah, three teams in the country over two thousand yards rushing this year, and that's Air Force, Army, and your Ole Miss Rebels. How about that? Where does where's the Naval Academy? Are they are Navy they is really struggling. They're seventh in the country. Oh gosh, they must be awful. They're close to two thousand. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's you know th- this this is the perfect segue for my third lot because it gives me an opportunity to talk shit. Uh, do you know how many rushing touchdowns the University of Miami has against Power Five football oh, teams this year? Good God, I'm gonna say zero. Oh, three, zero. Shout out. Kevin. Yes. Oh, zero. God. Zero rushing touchdowns. Uh, Unbelievable! No wonder they're interested in Quinchon Jenkins. Um, so, <laughs> uh, good which, luck. Okay, so so zero rushing touchdowns against Power Five teams. Here are Miami's wins on the season: Bethune Cookman, Southern Miss, and scrolling, scrolling, Virginia, Virginia, fourteen, twelve. That's it. Got him. That's it. Notice Since how MTSU is not on that list because they got that ass beat. Nor is Duke on that list. Unreal. Uh, the, the, U is, the U is back, though. So, uh, I'm laying them with the Knowles. This, Norvell wants this badly. Hell I understand yeah. it's a rivalry game. Miami will want this badly, too. I get it. But that want to and, like, all that shit wears off after, like, the first quarter. When Miami yeah. is in is unable to score, I want to win the lottery too. State. Yeah, exactly. Like Florida State is kind of good. Their defense is is actually pretty good. Their defensive front with uh, Fab Lovett from Mississippi, uh, really good. And they we got the kid from Albany play. too that that really wanted to go to Tallahassee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Weirdly, how that the stars aligned for that to work out for both parties there, but. Um, Offensively, too, they can play bully ball. I mean, they, they play a little keep away. They can run the ball. Jordan Travis is actually having a really good year. Yeah, um, very good. Their their receivers are sneaky explosive. I, I think Norvell puts a number on Miami here. I think he needs to. I think Miami he has got a lot of momentum. wants to. NIL. Yeah, yeah. And Miami right now is kind of the sexier program just because Crystal Ball, first year, the NIL money that they've got. Like, people want the U to be back desperately. I think Norvell – Given the opportunity, hangs a number here, and I think he can. I think this is something like forty-two to twenty, Florida State. So I'm laying the seven and a half. There's there's no home field advantage for Miami in this game. Like there'll be thirty thousand yeah. people in the stands, fifteen of which will be Florida State fans. So I'm laying the seven and a half. I think this is an easy cover for the Knoll. That's a great pick. I don't think the throw the records out stuff works here. No. No, again, this stuff matters for like a quarter. After that, the better team usually takes over the game and just wins. Yeah. Um, 
Just a live update here. Had a little little action parlay. Um, took the uh, underdogs in both games. Hit with Central Michigan. They won 35-22. Went with another directional Michigan school. Western Michigan did not get it done against Bowling Green, who won 13-9. That sounds like a Virginia versus Miami game. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, by just, the way, I looked it up. That was that game was six to six when it went to overtime. So both teams did score a touchdown in overtime, didn't complete the two point conversion. That game was three to nothing at halftime and three to three after three quarters. Mm. I, I, I'm I feel confident I would have left. I mean, oh, you're no three doubt. and four and one and three in the conference. So it's not like oh, this is just a slobber knocker where you know we we, have, we got something to play for. You have nothing to play for, and it was three to three after three quarters. Yeah, and Miami could Ugh. not run the ball against Virginia, so now they're going to run it against against FSU. No way. Disgusting. Yeah, Miami had 40, uh, 39 carries, one hundred and forty eight yards last week. Uh, and thirty nine yards carry. carry. Yeah, yeah uh, Jake Garcia uh, was fifteen of twenty nine for one twenty five. Which Solid. is a nice little four point three average. I mean, I just, oh gosh, yeah, these two CTs are bad. And the craziest part is that Brendan Armstrong for Virginia, fifteen to twenty five for two hundred eight, and they didn't score a regulation touchdown. That's, I mean, that doesn't even add up. That's yeah, gosh. All right, all right. That's going to be week ten. Um, this is a wacky board, but I love it. We got all kinds of totals. We got underdogs. We got wrong team favored. We got the uh, got kind of the whole gamut here. So I'm excited to see how this one unfolds. I'm still trying to crawl out of the uh, the basement here, and then we got a nice little, you know, three way not a three way tie, but a, a three a three way run at trying to get to first place here between Austin Ben and Nick. Um, we'll be back next week. Hopefully talking about the biggest game in the Ole Miss football program's history. If Alabama can get it done in Death Valley. If so, strap it on. Buckle up. It is going to be the week of all weeks. I expect game day to be in town. And, um, yeah, it'll be a uh, it'll be a fun one to prepare for. So, we got anything else before we uh, hit the road? Nope. Enjoy the bye and get your minds right for, as you said, maybe, oh, maybe the biggest one in our lifetime. Yep. Can't wait. All right. That's going to do it for Hit That Line Week 10. Thanks again to you, the listener, for tuning in. Thanks to the sponsors for making it possible. And thanks to Austin, Ben, and Nick for all that they do. Until next week, we out.